Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. Last night, I had my children on the couch with me alongside my wife and a couple of staff members, and we were watching a National Geographic television show that had to do with old age and how difficult it is for an older person to adapt to the weaknesses of their body, the weaknesses of their ears, their eyes, their mind, and how difficult it is for an older person to be at peace with this new normal. And so they were highlighting in the episode different things that elderly folk have done over the years and certain mindsets that they have adopted to cope with old age and eventually prepare for their final day on earth. It was a very moving episode and uh, we sat there with tears watching older people um, graciously, boldly, bravely, courageously dealing with the weaknesses of their body. Well, one of the things that I noticed um, during that episode was the older a person gets, apparently, the more simplicity is attractive to them versus their younger years, the things of life and the complexities of life is so appealing where older people are interested in simple games, simple conversation, uh, simple uh, things with their hands, etc., etc. And it just, it struck such a chord with me that as we age and we mature, we value simplicity. And I have begun to experience that even in my own spiritual life, that as I grow in God, certain things that I thought were so important for me to figure out and to absolutely have um, understanding of, it's just lost its appeal. I've watched people that have understanding in certain complex things, and yet it, it doesn't help you be a better husband. It doesn't help you be a better father or a better employer slash employee. It just doesn't change you. And I can honestly say that as I grow in God and continue to grow in God and mature in God, I just enjoy God in a simple way. I enjoy loving my Father, trusting Him. I uh, courageously try to still obey Him. And I just don't worry so much about the end times or the beginning of times and everything in between. The psalmist would say, I don't concern myself with things that are above me and beyond me and too much for me. Psalm 131, like a weaned child, I have quieted my soul within me. By no means am I saying simplicity is to be equated with passivity. 
Um, a passive spirit, a sleeping, slumbering, dormant, passive, disengaged spirit got nothing to do with a simple heart of love and worship and devotion to God. Don't misunderstand me. We can be very childlike in simplicity, yet active, alert, engaged on the inside of our being. This is a continuation of our message from last time on just this whole notion of walking with God in simplicity. Of course, when Christ came into this earth, he was put into a culture that thrived on complexity, specifically religious complexity. And Christ came and just lived the most simple, God-fearing, God-honoring, God-loving God-worshipping life, and he just lived and moved and had his being in his Father. And it drove the people around him berserko to such an extent that they conspired his murder and crucifixion, ultimately. Beloved, I hope this message, alongside the previous one, encourages you to, as it were, strip off particularly the complexities of religious performance and formalism and traditions and just the, the, the things that we hold dear that we think, boy, if I could just control this or manage this or I can arrive to this level, then I will enjoy God, I will know my Father, and we will have a, a walk as described in the New Testament. Beloved, I, uh, I hope I can encourage you. It's much simpler than that. In the Garden of Eden, God wanted man to live by the tree of life, but you and I chose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God wanted to be so simple inside of man, just as a flow, as a supply, but you and I chose something of the brain, something of the mind, something of complexity, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We, in essence, said, no, I don't want your life mixed with my life as one life. I rather would like to entertain the stuff of what is good versus evil and knowledge. And then God said, in the day that you eat this, you will die. God just wants to be so simple. Life inside of us. The union of the spiritual life of God and the human life of man just becoming one. And just living a normal, beautiful life. One with God. The human life. By God's life, so simple. And then we get tempted there in the garden. No, don't eat that life, eat this knowledge. So you've got there in the beginning of the Bible, a contrast between just life and knowledge. And this will carry on through the entirety of the Bible. When Jesus comes on the scene, we have no concept for life. We just have a concept for knowledge. For what is good versus evil. And we live so totally in this religion 
that when life came among us and just healed people and enjoyed people and so simple, we couldn't stand that life. We killed it. This is the nature of the knowledge of what is good and evil. It's death. And Jesus says in John 8, Satan was a murderer from the beginning. What is it to murder? To murder is to take life. To murder is to halt life. And the satanic came into the garden and said to the man and the woman, Really? God doesn't want you to eat the knowledge of good and evil? And through craftiness corrupted the man and the woman's mind from the simplicity of God. Life. No, no, no. We want to go complex. And ever since that day, all the descendants of Adam thrive on complexity. But is it not true that the more complex we become, the more death is present within you? That's what Jesus means when he says you're burdened and you're heavy laden and you're weighted down. It's the experience of death. God just wants to be life-giving, enjoyable. Uh Aha. But we, our experience is like, ugh, don't bother me. Ugh. I gotta worship God again. Ugh. Death. So the spiritual life is so simple. It's just a matter of God handing you one thing. His life. That's what Jesus said. I've come to give you just life. Why? It's like he's doing exactly what was missed in the garden. In the garden, God just wanted to give us life, the tree of life. Man said, no, thank you. I need complexity. So Jesus comes, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he speaks there in John 4, I want rivers of water of Life to pour forth from you and in you. Bubble up, rise up. In John 7, he speaks about being the light of life. In John 6, he speaks of being the bread of life. In John's gospel, very mystical gospel as we have referenced before, John introduces him as the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Notice there John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 1. And it says, He was with God, and He was in the beginning, and all things were created through Him. And So he he draws a connection that this man, Jesus, is actually the Word of God. And then notice verse 4. In Him was what? Life. So notice here, in the very beginning of John's Gospel, what God hands out to man, it's just life. Of course, you and I, we want God to explain Himself. We want the knowledge of what is good versus evil. And God says, no, that's not your deepest need. Your deepest need is life. So it says there, in Him was life. And then notice the next phrase. The life was the light of men. Do you see that? Before you get light, understanding, revelation, what do you need first? Life. But see, you and I, our interaction with God, is it not altogether an issue of explanation? Please explain yourself. Why did you not? Why could you not? 
Is God so big that he can make a rock that he himself can't pick, pick up? See, we love philosophy. We love arguments. This is what Paul speaks to the Corinthians. You've been corrupted from the simplicity. All that God wants to give you is life. Life is God's answer to everything you and I need. But no, we have no context for such an interaction. We have only context for explanation. That's why Jesus, when he came, he was the life of God to men. But we said, who gave you the right to do this? Where did you get this authority? Did you come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Explain yourself. This is how we interacted with the word of life. That Lord, our Lord Jesus, just came to live among us and be life-giving to us. But no, we demanded explanation. Where's your pedigree? How can you say God is your father? So we laughed at him. We got offended by him. Then we accused him of being devil-possessed. This is what we do, complex people. Oh my goodness, I can tell you stories of how Christians tell one another, you're demon-possessed. We love complexity, and God comes and says, hey, I just want to give you life. Life. It started in the garden there in Genesis. So simple. This is how you're going to live this human life, by the divine life, by God in you. This is the hope for glory. No, we don't need that. We need answers. We need explanation. We need philosophies. We got distracted. Now so many of us, years later, we're actually believers in God. We believe in Jesus. But we still primarily live by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil versus primarily by the way of life. Is it not true that when you pray, it's so that God can explain himself? Is it not true that when you interact with the Bible, the scriptures, is it not true that you need answers for this or that predicament? Is it not true that you feel God is for you when things are clear in your life? Is it not true that you feel God has left you when things are muddled in your life? So you and I entirely, even though we believe in God, our primary walk with God is still an issue of knowledge, good, evil, religion. Yes, no, do, don't. And God is like, hey, I, I just want to live inside of you. I'll live out the Christian life through you. So on your sketch there, we put the tree of life in the center of the Christian life. And everything that you will need to live the Christian life will come out of the source of life on the inside of you. So through our curriculum here, I want to propose five things that God does within you through the flow of life.
So look at this sketch over here. Life is at the center. This is God's answer. And that life will be a kind of a tree on the inside of you. That life will be a kind of a river on the inside of you. We could, you could sketch a river over that tree because it's the same thing. The tree is for, for eating, the river is for drinking. And both those themes carry throughout the entire Bible, eating and drinking. And in spirituality, that just means believing. So I put a tree there. You would do well to paint a little river over it because in the beginning of the Bible, there is the tree of life and there's also the river of life. And when we get to the end of the Bible, there is also in Revelation 21 and 22, there's again the tree of life, which is for eating. And there is the river of life, which is for drinking. But those are prophetic types of what God is on the inside of you. He is food to you, and He is refreshment to you. Okay? You see, even on the cross, right in the middle of the Bible, we have another tree, by the way. There's a tree. Right there in the middle of the Bible. And then He gets stabbed in His side, and water comes out. There's water. You see it in the beginning of the Bible. There's a tree and a river. And you can go look at it. We'll cover it a little bit later. You see at the very end of the Bible, a tree and a river. And right there smack dab in the middle of God's story, it's also a tree. He was not crucified on a piece of furniture. He's crucified on a tree. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So everything that you will need for the Christian life comes out of a tree. And everything that you will need for the Christian life comes out of a river. And these are the two things that Jesus speaks about the whole time. Eat me and drink me. This is true bread and this is true drink. Saints, is everybody with me? Everything in the Bible is a type and a shadow of a tree for eating a river for drinking. So I propose to you five things that that tree does within you. There's more, but for simplicity's sake, five things. Number one, that life of God inside of you will work love into you. That life of God inside of you will work light into your being. Notice there in that sketch again. That life of God inside of you will work the nature of God into you, which is holiness. That life of God inside of you will work the Word of God into you. And that life of God on the inside of you will work the Spirit of God in you. And for simplicity's sake, those five elements will take care of the entirety of your Christian life. Take care of the entirety of your Christian life. God gives you just one thing, life. 
But that life, when it begins to flow through you, will provoke you to love. It'll provoke you to revelation, to light, to understanding. But we call that spiritual revelation. It'll provoke you to holiness. It'll provoke you to the Word of God. And it will provoke you to the Spirit of God. And that life, by the way, we will talk about that later, is just God. That life is just Christ. That life is just the Spirit. But there's five things God will work into you organically. All you do is host God. All you do is you're a cup filled with God. All you do, you're a vessel. But the filling has power with it, and it'll do five things for you. It'll just make you spontaneously love God. That life comes with love in it. And it will pour into your being and you'll find yourself attracted to God quite spontaneously. Because love is at work within you. Are you listening? Another thing that life will do inside of you is it will bring clarity. It will bring revelation. And you will see and understand by that life on the inside of you. It's spiritual perception that you will receive. Spiritual revelation. That life on the inside of you will also make you a partaker of God's holiness. He will work His character into you. That life on the inside of you will work the Word of God into you. And it will work the flow of the Spirit into you. And in this, I've come to experience, is everything that pertains to the Christian life. And God does it all. God takes care of the love inside of you, the light that you need. God takes care of the holiness that you need to come into. God takes care of the Word you need to grow up into. And God takes care of the Spirit who anoints you. God does it all. All you do is host the ghost. All you do is you're the vessel filled with the excellent treasure. You are the clay and God is the divine infilling. This is God's economy. This is the rhythm that Jesus set up. See, all of us, <laughs> we want to like do it the external way and the methodical way and the structured way and the checklist way. And God does it the most simple, organic way. He just lives inside of you. The love that you need for man, for self, for God, He baptizes you in that love. All you do is just host God. How do you host God? Lord, you're welcome. You're welcome. Fill me. Yes, Lord. He takes care of the love factor. And in our curriculum, we're going to explore what love will do inside of you. It's awesome. Instead of having a wrestling match with God and fighting and demanding and shaking that fist at God. No, no. You stay in life and life will just make the lights come on. And you will have spiritual perception and revelation, not because you're smart, educated, a seminarian, a Bible schoolian, a legacy, legacy arian. <laughs> 
you have spiritual perception, spiritual wisdom as the overflow of life. It says there in John's Gospel, in Him was life, and the life was the light whereby men could see. You and I, we have so many hiccups. God wants us to be holy and live out and express holiness. So many of us, oh man, we go on a holiness agenda and we cut and we, we fast and we discipline and we try. And you'll see that unless life works holiness into you, if you arrive at holiness by the way of religion, you become like many of us, self-righteous. Jesus got along just fine with the self-righteous people, didn't He? Oh, He condemned them to the uttermost. But there is a way that you and I come into righteousness, but not by self, by life. God does it. He brings you on to maturity. God is at work within you to do His will and His pleasure. It's an entirely different Christian living. That life also puts the work of Christ in us, the Word of Christ in us. We'll explain that in a lot more detail. And that life also takes care of the Spirit in you who anoints you. So Christian life in the most simplest way. And all you do again is just be humble, be open, and present yourself to God as a kind of a vessel. Yes, you live with two feet on this ground, but you live the way God intended the man in the garden to live, to live by the tree of life, not by the knowledge of good and evil. So this is what we're going to explore. How do you receive revelation? Aha! Uh -huh. How do you get this aha uh -huh moment? How do you get enlightenment in God? Paul says that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. God wants you to see. We'll show you later. It is satanic, uh, Satan's agenda to blind you. God wants you to see. But how will you see? How will you come into spiritual knowledge? By God on the inside. How will you partake of God's holiness? By God on the inside. And this is going to be our presentation to you. A simple way to live the Christian life, to take care of just God on the inside. And God takes care of everything that pertains to your life and godliness. Saints, I hope that the shackles would come off in the coming days. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. No longer to be entangled again with the yoke of bondage and slavery. Slavery to what? To religion that weighs me down, makes me point a finger at God in offense, makes me laugh at God in 
mockery, say, this is foolish. And Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, yeah, I fear because you've been robbed from just your simple walk with God. What went wrong? I presented you and God so simple, heart to heart, life to life. And you got involved in all sorts of complexities. What is going on? This is the culture we currently live in. Very few of us live by Christ. Most of you live only by revival, by great church services, whether it's the first service or this. We even call it that, by the way. Isn't that interesting? To which service do you go to? The first, the second, or the third? Like we even talk in such ways. Bible's very clear, even in Acts 17. We'll show you that later again. Like everything we'll show you later. <laughs> it says in Acts 17, God does not need you to serve him one bit. He cannot be served by human hands. Where's the temple you're going to build him? Isaiah 61. Isaiah 66. Where, where, like, it's about his spirit. You know, he's looking for a contrite, humble, empty person. He'll take care of the whole Christian life because you can't. All that you can do is mess it up. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So God created an economy. That is, he created a track. And God somehow decided that for you to live by that life, he's going to crucify you. That is, he's going to render you useless towards him. That's what crucifixion means. Anything that you have to offer is as good as dead. It amounts to nothing. So in God's economy, when He crucified Christ, He crucified you with Christ so that you have nothing to bring to God. Crucified people gets resurrected by the divine life. So God crucified you and passed the judgment on all of your religion and say, nothing will come up to me. Nothing of the flesh will profit anything before God. I will put my spirit in you, resurrect you, and you will live because of me. That's the way we're going to do the Christian life. And then Satan comes and says, uh-uh, too simple. So through craftiness and through leaven and doctrines and teachings and complexities, we have become spoiled. Less than what we ought to be. And we don't exhibit the glory of God, the splendor of God, the authority and power of God. We exhibit, at best, religion. We go to mission fields, many of us, and we just teach people to sit in pews and wear suits and shandai. And so all we can do is produce our culture, reproduce our religion, pass off our traditions. That's all we do, and then we call that Christianity. And the world laughs at us scoffs at us because we don't have the life-giving element. We just have the moral, conformity, tradition-giving element. Saints, we live in a pitiful Christian culture. And this is my opinion. The Lord ain't coming back soon. He's not coming for us awesome in religion. He's coming when we collectively express the glory of the indwelling God. 
You know what I think? Because a lot of people are getting saved and they sit in pews and they attend meetings. This is Christianity. No, it's not. Christianity is when God in Christ becomes your life and you are formed into Christ and Christ is expressed through you and you live by Him. He's waiting for such an expression on the earth. We need a fresh come to Jesus in simplicity.